Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran band leader and tenor saxophonist Eric Wyatt. We reached out to him about his latest impressive 2019 CD called The Golden Rule for Sonny. So through his six recordings as a band leader, he has been performing unspoken tributes to Sonny Rollins. He has said that he will never forget the impact that Sonny, who often played with Eric's father, had on him growing up. This Wailing City sound recording is magical and a perfect homage to the great Sonny Rollins. So he was born and raised in Brooklyn and introduced to the sax by his father, Charles, who played tenor and hung out with many of the jazz icons of the day, like Charlie Parker, Gary Bartz, Wilbur Ware, Thelonious Monk, Dizzy Gillespie, Sonny Rollins, and so many others. He opened up about his beginnings, the legends, and so much more. He's had a great life in jazz, so get to know him and dig this interview, my friends. Eric, thank you for taking a minute out for Neon Jazz. It's an honor to speak with you, sir. Well, it's an honor to be on Neon Jazz, sir. I mean, you know, you guys, without you guys, nobody gets to hear what the hell we're doing. Yeah, and they need to, that's for and sure. And they need to, man, with the times we're in, you know. Oh, man, but that is Come on, you know. So you had the pleasure of covering your mentor and probably likely one of your heroes, Mr. Sonny Rollins on The Golden Rule. And I just want to know, how, how much fun was it to make this album? You know what, man? I'm, I'm, I, you know, in life, you know, in any, any life, uh, an athlete, uh, professional, uh, you know, you couldn't dream of having a life that I was, I was just blessed from my dad and his relationship with the men in his life. Now, just imagine this now, you know, I'm going to ask you a question. How many men that were your father's friends have you had a relationship for most of your life, from your age of 10 to where you are now as a man. Do you have relationships with the, your fathers or your parents' friends? No. Right. This always puzzles me. My dad, I met Sonny Rollins when I was about five or six years old because he used to come to my father's house. He used to come to our house when we were kids. And um, then my dad, you know, played saxophone. My dad was obviously good friends with this guy. My whole family, we related to Sonny as an uncle. Because my father had no brothers and sisters. My mother had five sisters or six, I think six sisters and four brothers. So they were, we always had the mother, my mother's, you know, family come visit and sit around. And the only guys that my father ever had come to the home was Sonny Rollins, Wilbur Ware, I believe Gary Bartz maybe because I went away at one point and left for college. But I heard when I was away, I heard that Gary Bartz and my dad were talking. Now, I knew these guys as musicians. So, you know... This record has a lot of more meaning to me than just hearing Sonny play on a record or his album with Train, you know. So as I just bring you there to say, you know, all through my life I, I used to see Sonny because my dad would go to see his concerts, and then he used to drive his. And when I, in 1972, he drove uh, Larry Ridley, Albert Daly, to a concert in Stores, Connecticut, and that's when I really I had saw him a few times as a kid. Now I see why I see what he. What his, what his profession was, I didn't you know. I didn't know he was a saxophone player when he came to our house and we were kids. Now I see, oh, this is the guy that was coming to the house. Oh, really? Oh, he has a show. Okay, so I put all these things together, and that was the beginning of my musical desire to actually play music. But it also taught me about jazz music because it was a jazz concert. As I got older, and then my dad got sick. You know, I remember my mother saying she wanted to reach out to Sonny, you know, because he was always around. We'd always had 
you know, contact with him. So I don't know how this happened because at that point in my life, I didn't really have contact with him. But he, my dad was always, you know, taking us. She called him up, and then he starts showing up at the hospital. I will never forget one thing he said to me when my dad was sick. We were laying, looking at him. I knew my dad was going to die. I know my father. You know your parents. You know people in your life you're close to. I'm looking at my dad in the hospital bed. He can't move his arms. He can't talk. He's got a tube in his mouth. And uh, I know my dad in a lot of situations. He was a big guy. He was like 6'5", maybe 275 pounds. He should, he's like a football player kind of looking guy. But here he was laying, and he couldn't do anything. And uh, I remember Sonny saying to me, your dad is a strong guy. He's, he's going to overcome this. He's going to overcome this. That's probably the one time in my entire life that I didn't believe nothing. That, I didn't believe what Sonny said to me. And I'm just saying that because I said, Sonny, I, I love you, man, but he's going home, man. He's, and he, unfortunately, he did pass. But, you know, I'm saying all this because, see, as now I see Sonny that he can't play. And he has great music, as you know. He's one of the he, I don't know who you can't who can you compare him to. I mean, I had recently in my past year of my career, I got to go to places I had never been. I, first time, I went to Italy in January. I went to Russia in September, 2018. I went to um, Australia in 20 uh, it was 2017. And I played Sonny Rollins' music because I was part of this bridge project that this gentleman named Jeff Calcabiano started to try to rename the, the Williamsburg Bridge the Sonny Rollins Bridge. So all this Sonny Rollins energy started coming into my life. And um, I uh, started playing his music in these venues, and, man, the response was just amazing. There's a video on my channel, uh, the official Eric Wyatt channel, where you can see I played in Malaysia. I played a tune called Best Wishes. And I had literally had the audience clapping like they were in church on Sunday morning, man. So his music had an effect. In Italy, I played Don't Stop the Carnival. These people are dancing in restaurants at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. The Calypso, man. And it was like his music had such a profound effect on the world that I realized, so, you know, I got I to gotta do this project, and I got to get the guys that were connected to him. I've had a great relationship with Clifton Anderson. Me and Russell Malone talk on the phone for hours, Willie Jones. So... It was a combination of all of these things in my life connected to Sonny and trying to honor him because he can't play anymore. Born and raised in Brooklyn, give me an idea of, you know, was it kind of a foregone conclusion that you were going to get into music? How did all of that happen? See, that, that, that's, that's, where the, that's where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't a foregone conclusion. I was an athlete, man. I, and where I grew up, it was... I'll just name the people that were from my neighborhood. If you know anything about sports, Mike Tyson, Vinnie Johnson, professional player with Detroit, and Isaiah, the bad boys, one of the original bad boys. World be free, you know, Golden State Warrior. Robert Fly Williams, Eddie Gregory, Mustafa Muhammad, Riddick Ball. I could go on and on. World be free. Uh, basically, I grew up in an area where athletes, were very prevalent, and I played a lot of sports because I saw that that was the way to possibly get out of the neighborhood, get out of the projects. So I grew up in a project was very brutal, a lot of gangs. Like they got this, you know, the stuff now that these Bloods and Crips. We had the Jolly Stompers, the Unknown Riders. We had a bunch of bad, bad, bad guys, man. So sports was the way to kind of make them look up to you. So I played a lot of basketball. I was in. I got a partial scholarship to a junior college in Waco, Texas, 
which is ironic because Roy Hargrove was actually born in Waco, Texas. And this is in uh, 70, 79, 78, 79. And um, I was pursuing sports. I gave up playing music. I had played music in high school. I majored in music. I was an advanced student. I um, knew I had a talent for music because when I was in seventh, eighth grade, they used to call me Charlie Parker Wyatt in the band because the music teacher would hear me warming up. You take a bunch of seventh, eighth graders with saxophones and trumpets, and you can imagine what, how they would sound warming up. Well, here I am in the corner playing Now's the Time, but I but didn't die, but I but didn't die, or Ornithology, but I but didn't And he's looking at this kid like, where did you learn all this stuff? So uh, I told him my dad played and I knew Charlie Parker's music and Coltrane. So I was always like first alto in all the bands. But when I got to my junior year, I was an advanced student to where I um, didn't have to go to class. I had like three classes and then I had a job that I would literally stay at school till 3 o'clock and then go to work and come home at 9 at night because I had a job. It didn't make sense to go home. Like I went to class like from 9 to 11.30, and I was done for the day in my senior year. So I spent a lot of time in the gym playing ball, and I got a scholarship. I go to play in Waco, Texas with a good friend of mine, and my first year I, I hurt my knee trying to dunk. I wasn't a dunker. I had a decent jump shot, I'm just saying, for me, I guess. But I hurt my knee trying to dunk, and I knew right then and there, I'm not going to be an athlete. You're going to have to go back to New York and start playing saxophone. That's when it became a foregone conclusion because I realized you, I got talent for music, and I already learned it. I knew Sonny. I knew, you know, the names of the players. I had met Miles. My dad knew Miles. I met Miles when I was about 10 years old at a gig at the bottom line, and he spoke to me with that voice, you know, Miles Gates' voice. So when he spoke to me, I said, realize who these guys were, I said, man, I should just pursue music, and I'm glad I hurt my knee. That's all I can say. Was the stage always, is it always a comfortable place for you? Do you get nervous, or is it a second home for you? Yeah, now, you know, I never was a nervous kid, man, about being on stage. Um, I think what helped me when I played back in the day, you know, when you grow up playing, like I said, I played in high school, young, okay, so I played in bands. There's a very good friend of mine named Glenn Chango Everett. I miss Chango so much because he, was the one who introduced me to Arthur Raines, who changed my life between Sonny and my dad and then Arthur Raines, if you know anything about Arthur. Changed my life completely, man. We, man, um, we used to play um, gigs. My friend Tony Paris, I was in a band with a guy named Barry Eastman, who's a world-renowned guy. He wrote music for Kenny G and produced albums with Najee. And we were all in bands. So I remember the time that I really saw that, you know, when I got to take the saxophone solo, with the band, as I was always the youngest guy in the band, I always got a nice applause or the girls looked at me. And, you know, like people that were around, they really checked you out. And I realized then I had a talent for this. So I didn't have a problem on stage. And now to the point I go around, I've been around the world. Thankfully, you know, I've been to several places, man, from Bratislava to Prague to China. I've been to China about seven times. I speak a little Chinese. I've been to Lebanon, Greece, Japan. So stage is now more like a comfort. It's like you, 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 you get up and you go to work in the morning. To me, it's like you get up, you practice, you prepare, you go work out a little and get ready for the stage like it's a job, and it's always been very comfortable for me, very comfortable. Do you feel like you carry a little bit of your father's spirit, that kind of endearing spirit of the old jazz world and the new jazz world together? No question. Um, the horn I play 
is a horn that has my dad's name engraved on it. He got it from Sonny. I mean, you know, we grow up in this world and everything is changing so much. But think about certain certain expertise in life, like jazz. This music has a tradition. It starts it has a beginning. It has a, a, a development. It has a fusion of all things. And uh, I have no problem with the cats doing stuff today. Actually, my cousin is one of the top rappers on the scene. This is just it's, it's, it's new information because he's he's only twenty two or twenty one. But his name is Designer. So I have a cousin that's a rapper that's well-known. Kanye West had signed it. His first record sold like 17 million copies. So I'm into all styles of music, but something about jazz tradition and the respect and the reverence that I've learned about it through Sonny and all the great people I've met from all these countries in the world. In every country, there's a great saxophonist, a great vocalist, whether you're Italian, German, Greek. There's always some you know, high-end guy who maybe didn't get a chance because the country is not a pro jazz like you know they have festivals most of these countries have festivals but um you know this music is world music man i'm going to play in lebanon and singapore and places like that so jazz is it's something about it's just some you know i guess i'm a little old-fashioned in one sense but i try to stay modern but um it's just something about it and what i learned and i see the value in in helping people and 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 bringing something beautiful to people that don't always get a chance to hear this music on that level. You know, I was fortunate some years ago, probably five years ago, when Roadshow Volume 1 came out to interview Sonny, and the thing that blew me away about him, there was a lot of things that were transformative about that conversation. But the one thing that blew me away when I got off the phone was how humble and grounded oh, and how, he, he, that, like, for some of his stature yeah. to have yeah. the humility yeah. that he had, what, yeah. and, I find, and I find that with you, I find that with all of these cats that I talk to in the jazz world, what is it about the world of jazz that has made these, these musicians with such prodigious talent to feel so grounded and just to be a servant of the music? Not to be religious, but God has a hand in it. But, we, but see, God in the sense of we are God-like. We are the, we are the messenger. For instance, the reason I named this city the Golden Rule as I told you, I've known Sonny since I was a kid. And I've talked to him about a lot of stuff in my life. My dad, Clifford Brown, Miles, Max, Bird. But the one thing he emphasized to me over any chord change, over any melody, is to treat people nice. Live by the golden rule. Do unto others as you would like them done unto you. And I think the struggle when you learn to really play this music on a high level, something happens to you. And I'm going to just say this briefly if I can. You know, when I started understanding what he meant, like I live next door to somebody that's 80 years old and her husband's 82. And then when they come take the garbage, they always take the garbage, dump it, and then they put the thing, you know, uh, back on the street. They don't put it back inside your gate. And I slowly started realizing when I would put my garbage bucket back, just something simple. I started doing it for the lady every day. Uh, I get on the train. I see a woman that's pregnant. It's not that crowded, but she's standing. I offer my seat. I see people homeless laying around. Some people could work, but then you see somebody that you see, you can't, this person can't go work. I give them $5, not a dollar. I make them say, you want something to eat, sir, or miss? I'm going to tell you something, man. That changed my plan. 
I don't know if people can really relate to this, but I'm telling you now, this record came from, from that effort of me trying to be nicer to people, thinking about what Sonny taught me, because he's a very humble guy, and he's been blessed, and he knows it, but he's had hardships too. But he taught me that more than any scale or any song. Yeah, he taught me to practice certain things, or he mentioned certain things to me, and he would talk in a way where I would have to understand what he meant. He wouldn't tell you to do something. He would say something, and you'd have to be intelligent enough to pick it up, and that's how he would operate with me. But it's something about you want people in the world to feel something better, I believe. The real, true cats that do this, you know, because um, it's a, we're living in a rough time, and people seem like, you know, music is always something that can always put a smile on your face. If you notice, know you could hear a song. You could be having a bad day. And that's why I kind of recorded what the world needs now. I used to go see my sister Carol in California. She lives in the Bay Area. And uh, out there, the weather's beautiful. Sun shines every day. The people are really, uh, you know, Berkeley, those people out there kind of very, they like jazz, more so in a lot of ways than some other cities I could say, maybe, maybe not. But I would go out there and I would take my horn and I would practice as opposed to sitting in my sister's house and just playing and making, you know, practicing stuff in the house. I go play out there, and I would see these people's faces as I would play that melody, and it would, I would see the, just the happiness and their smile in their face and say, thank you, that's a beautiful song, man. You made my day. Or just, you know, it's something about that. When you get that from people of every nationality now, not just one race, the human race, it makes you feel like I gotta do this, man. I have, I gotta. This maybe is why I'm here because it makes some. If you can make somebody else happy, that makes your day go better. That's how I. That's how it's helped me. You know, I'm just saying, playing this music and making people feel happy seems like something that you get some kind of return on. If that's if you're sincere about it, I don't know what everybody's um, mindset is when they're performing, but. I'm trying to make somebody feel happy. That's what I can say. You probably already answered this in a, in a variety of ways, but I guess I just want to ask outright, why do you love this music that we call jazz? Oh, man. Well, I could say um, I see how people feel when, they, when you play it at, a, at the highest levels. As you know, you play there's so much records. I'm, I mean, you could just, if you didn't have to stop playing records, you could just sit here. I mean, it puts a feeling in your mind and your body that is second to nothing. There's nothing wrong with a hip-hop guy, and he says a great lyric, and guy's like, oh, but it's something, I don't think that equates to the, the, this level of somebody improvising over a melody that you're familiar with, and you hear something totally new and different, and it, go, it gets inside of you where you have to say, wow, that was, wow, that was beautiful, wow. And you actually want to hear that song every other day, or when you're in your, in your, in your reflective states, you want to hear something to give you an uplift. This jazz, this music, which has this label jazz that guys are always trying to hammer at. It just has something in it that's, I don't kind of say from another world, but it's just there's something special about it, man. You know, it's just, I think everybody that's a fan and it's every culture and every country has fans, because as I said, all over the world. It's just something that it does to you mentally. And man, I, I feel spiritually because definitely with Coltrane, when he started recording the songs like Dear Lord and all of that, it's just something about it, man. It's like, I hard to describe in words. It's you get it when you. It's like you feel it, though. When you hear it and you know, you you get it, you know. Amen. Yep, I agree. So everything's going to come down to this. Everyone has a version or an interpretation of you. 
who they think you are, your family, your friends, your colleagues, but you know yourself best. So tell me, who do you think you are? Hmm. I'm a guy that came to realize how great my father was. He was roommates with Sonny Rollins. He practiced on the bridge with Sonny Rollins, was going through the most reflective part of his life. As great as Sonny is, he stopped. Think about this, man. He stopped and took himself off the scene. He was known as the king, the heavyweight, the colossus. What man takes this? It's like Michael Jordan retiring after winning three championships. It's like, so when when I started really spinning this around in my head, and realizing who I met when I met Wilbur Ware, when I met Miles, when I met Dizzy, when I met Elvin Jones, and realized I want to be like these guys, man. I want my life to have something of importance. I've never been married. I don't have any children. I kind of sacrificed everything when I lost my dad and uh, Arthur Reigns. They died the same year. My dad died July 89. He died on the day my mother and father got married. He died on their anniversary, which is something my mother just was so, you know, she felt comfort in that, that he passed on that day. Because he stayed alive longer than he was supposed to, because we thought we were going to get him back. But then he died. Arthur Rams, who was a big mentor in my life, who actually changed my whole outlook, he died in December 89. So I met some great men, and they, 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 they guided me and mentored me to understand you can choose to do this or you can choose to do that. And I felt like what, I, what people don't know is that I wanted to be a, just one of these guys, one of these messengers, you know, if you could just make it like that. Because there's so many great people, there's so many, of, and they're not just all in America. So I just wanted to be one of these type of guys because that's what I was – that was my indoctrination as a, as, a, as a young man, as a teenager. And then after losing my dad, Sonny being so consistent, Sonny calling me up at random times. I remember he called me one day. It was seven degrees in New York, and he called me. But I was in California walking around in shorts. And when he called me, he said, man, how you like this cold? How you, how you dealing with this car? I said, Sonny, him. I hate to tell you, but I'm in California. And he said, oh, man, I'm a bit concerned about this. I feel bad for you, Sonny, because I'm out in the sun. But it's just, you know, just he stayed in touch. He called my sister. You know, he called. It's just, he just, that just, just made me become, want to become one of these guys. I could just say it in, short, in a nutshell. One of those. I don't know if I'll be as great as Sonny Rounds or anybody. I'm not talking about that. Just one of those type of people that can make you feel good from what I do. When I get up in the morning, my goal is to try to get on the stage if I can and make some people feel good. Beautiful. And I have no doubt you're doing that. You've done it for a long time. Keep on doing it, man. Thank you for taking time out today. This thank was you, a man. very illuminating interview. I appreciate it. So thank, thank you again, you. man. And I want to thank Wellness City Sound, Jenny Shea, my man Neil Weiss for, you know, arranging this because uh, I just got the email last night. I said, okay, the ball is on the court now. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview where we give you a bit of insight into the finest cats in New York, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. And thanks to Eric for his time, music, and stories. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store, visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends.
Neon Jazz.